This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You've got Matt Smith. Smitty here with you. We have Will Merritt as well, former All-ACC lineman, coming up. An exciting time for Clemson fans right now as ACC Hoops is in full swing. And tonight, it is the Demon Deacons and the Tigers. And Clemson is back at home at Little John Coliseum where they've been outstanding recently. Yes, they took a loss on the road in Raleigh, but that was a tough spot. A team in Clemson that was probably starting to get a little bit worn down after three consecutive conference victories over Tobacco Road teams, one over the Wolfpack, one over the Heels in historic fashion, breaking an 0-59 for 59 string in Chapel Hill, and then one over Coach K and Duke. So, Clemson. Back at it tonight against Wake Forest. And this one, got to watch out for those cupcakes. You don't want to choke on one. And this is one Clemson needs to get and should get. If you don't know about Wake Forest, even though they are a 9-8 and eight club, there are all sorts of trouble uh, brewing out of Wake Forest right now. They have been 11-20. and 20 over the past two seasons, and they've been much better this year, but now they've suffered some injuries. And because of those injuries, they've got a lot of issues that have come to the fore for this team, including turning the ball over more than 15 times a game. You don't think that's something that raises Brad Brownell's eyebrows? You might see some more of that full-court pressure uh, with kind of Amir Sims playing center field for Clemson. They want to turn Wake Forest over, get out and run, get the home crowd into it tonight. And Wake Forest, while turning it over, they haven't been very good at shooting the basketball either, and they give up at least 78 points in three of their last four games. Part of that is because of the injuries that the Demon Deacons have suffered. Sean D. Brown has got a leg injury. He's going to miss the game. He's the second-leading scorer for Wake Forest at over 13 points a game. And Isaiah Mucus has missed their most recent game. And if he doesn't suit up, that's going to cause more problems for Wake Forest because how are they going to deal with Amir Sims? There's almost no one left for Wake Forest to defend Amir Sims. Those are both athletic, long guards, taller than six feet, five inches tall. So their length and athleticism greatly compromised heading into Little John Coliseum. And even though Clemson went cold, I know, I know what the Tigers looked like on Saturday against NC State, including going 9 of 23 from the foul line. But in the last two home games, and those are against legit competition, in Duke and NC State, the last two times you've seen Clemson at Little John Coliseum, they have found the sight lines, gotten their shooting stroke going. Amir Sims, John Newman the third, Curran Scott, and Hunter Tyson have combined to shoot 54% from the three-point line over the last two home games. That's a key. So what do you want to do? You want to make sure Wake Forest can't force you into making Tevin Mack take the shots or Dawes take the shots. You want to get your open looks with the players you want to get the open looks with. Work the ball inside to Amir Sims, then pop it back out, and hopefully it's Newman, Scott, or Tyson getting open looks, and then you can do ball switches, pin downs, and get Amir Sims looks. Uh, He's been terrific this season from the three-point line, shooting almost 40%, and 
just doing everything for Clemson. But I think the key tonight is turning Wake Forest over because that gets Clemson doing everything they want to do, which is easy opportunities. You know, if you're a Clemson fan, you have seen that Clemson can get bogged down offensively when they don't move the basketball and when they're forced to go one-on-one late in the shot clock. You don't want Wake Forest to get you into that mode. You want to turn the Deacons over, get out and run, and feed the ball to Amir Sims because he's a mismatch for almost everybody Clemson plays in the ACC, but more so tonight with the injuries to Mucius and Sean D. Brown as Wake Forest rolls in from Winston-Salem into Clemson. That's tonight, and I think it's an exciting opportunity for Clemson to get their 10th win of the season and kind of get those good vibes back that they lost on Saturday on the road in Raleigh. All right, we've also got this week on the Locked On Clemson podcast, we'll get back to our top 29 countdown, the 29 wins over in Clemson's 29-game winning streak ranked by significance. We'll do that. And as I promised, we've got some more sports personalities coming in to tell me where I'm wrong and where I was right. We'll review that uh, coming up on today's show. But back with Will Merritt again because more ground to cover We've got to talk about the loss of Isaiah Simmons, what that will mean, but also Travis Etienne returning to school and what UCF is getting in Jeff Scott. What kind of person are they getting? What kind of coach are they getting? Uh, Will Merritt has been friends with Jeff Scott for a long, long time, so we'll hear about that and also what it's going to be like now with Tony Elliott running things with Brandon Streeter, but I think we all know and understand Tony Elliott's probably been waiting for this opportunity. He has seized it, every opportunity he's had, but now he's no longer sharing that limelight with Jeff Scott. Now, we know Brandon Streeter's been elevated, but Tony Elliott calling the plays, handling things with Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, trying to balance those touches, and we'll ask Will Merritt about that. What it's going to be like with Tony Elliott running things at Clemson on the offense, kind of now on his own. And then what it's like Jeff Scott, uh, what UCF is getting out of Jeff Scott, and whether it was a good choice from Jeff as well. Was now the time to go? And is UCF the right job? to accentuate all the talents of Jeff Scott and what he can do. So we'll talk to Will Merritt about that when we come back. And again, we'll review our top 29 wins. We've gotten all the way up to 11, 29 through 11. We'll review those, and I'll reach out to some other sports personalities that will uh, tell me where I'm wrong and tell me where I was right, where we agree and disagree. So all that is ahead this week on the Locked On Clemson podcast. And of course, tomorrow we'll have a full recap, review, an analysis of what happens tonight, Clemson and Wake Forest. For my money, I love Clemson in this one. Uh, I, I can tell you 87% of the money being bet in Las Vegas right now is laying the points with the Tigers. They went from an eight-point favorite to an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, and I concur. Wake Forest, when they lose, they lose badly, and this is just a poor matchup for the Deeks. I don't think – if Amir Sims is the question – I think Wake Forest has no answer. So we'll see if I'm right, but I really like Clemson in this spot tonight. Uh, I wouldn't go running to the betting window because you don't know about eight points, but I do feel very, very good 
that the Tigers come away from Little John tonight. They're singing the alma mater together and celebrating their 10th victory. All right, so we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll have Will Merritt join us. And Will's got a bone to pick with kind of uh, whoever is is handling some of this Clemson marketing because there's a T-shirt that's out there that has the word lose on it, and that just rubs an old offensive guard the wrong way. You'll hear why when we come back. Your team every day. This is Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Jim spinning and hitting and is fouled. And it'll do it. Clemson picks the object. Will Merritt joining us now, former All-ACC lineman, and he doesn't like to lose. Not only does Will not like to lose, Will doesn't like admitting loss, talking about losses, and he certainly doesn't like it on a t-shirt. And he saw it on a Clemson t-shirt. And Will's going to explain to you why he doesn't like that, he doesn't like the man, the mindset, and he thinks it's just a, a, a poor marketing technique. And he wants the fan base to be in the same mindset as the program. And the t-shirt in question read, all in, win or lose. And you certainly understand the sentiment there. But it's just the kind of thing that might rub an old player. Admitting failure just rubs an old lineman the wrong way. You never put the word lose on a t-shirt. A t-shirt is reserved for accolades and winning. Why in the crap would you ever put lose on a t-shirt? You you don't you don't put lose on a t-shirt. Losing is not an option. Now, granted, they did loss. I mean, they they had a loss. Okay? The streak ended. That's fine. That's okay. But by God, you don't put lose on a t-shirt. Losing is not something that you're okay with. Now, if you want to say, oh, we're so proud of you, proud to be a Tiger, proud to be all in, proud to be this, whatever, not lose. You don't play the game to lose. You play the game and you keep score to win. So why in the crap would you put lose on a t-shirt? Now, I'm not sure who approved all this. I'm not sure who decided that this was a good idea. But in my opinion, and this is just one man's opinion of a has-been football player, and maybe, maybe I'm a barely was, at this point in time. But you don't put lose on a shirt because then that gives you the right to not meet expectations. And the expectations are to win at no matter cost. Winning is hard. Winning is tough. Winning means that you lay it all out on the line. 
you, the, losing is not an option. Uh, Vince Lombardi said, winning's not the most important thing, it's the only thing, which is precisely how you, it's almost like you you trick yourself, you have to brainwash yourself as a player into thinking that's the only option here. You, you don't, you, there there is no other option. You win or win. Will's still a player at heart, you can tell. Will, what about, let's go uh, kind of bad news, good news. It's not really bad news, it was expected, but Isaiah Simmons has declared for the NFL draft. T. Higgins, sure. those are probably good business decisions uh, based on their position, where they are, their achievements as well. And then the good news that Travis Etienne is going to return for a senior season, that's a huge recruiting win. You remember when C.J. Spiller returned for his senior year and what that did for the program. Yeah, I, I've, I've told people many times that – Dabo Swinney is one of the most unbelievable recruiters of all times. Never have I seen him recruit better than when he got C.J. Spiller to come back to Clemson for his senior year. I've never seen – I don't know what he said. I don't know what he did. But all I know is that it was above board, and he did it. Isaiah Simmons and T. Higgins, I mean, it makes absolutely perfect sense for them to leave. Because, I mean, they're, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're lottery winners right now. You know, they're going to, you know, they're going to make money for generational lifetimes. Um, ETN, I got to be honest with you, I was surprised. I was surprised. I was shocked. Um, but I also know Tony Elliott very well. He was a teammate of mine. We signed together. We played five years together. Um, I know Tony. And I know Tony told Travis the best path for him. And... Um, the fact that he's coming back, I mean, it just it just puts Clemson right back on the map as far as being the best program in the country. Um, and he could not be he could not be better coached by any human on the planet than Tony Elliott. Now I I know you've spent some time with him, and I I've, I've spent more hours with him than. You know, I can even count, but um, that's one of the finest men I've ever been around. And I think Travis probably understands that being around Tony for another year might not be a bad thing. More pressure from the Blue Devils. Clemson gets it over. Newman. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. We'll get back to former All-ACC lineman and Clemson analyst Will Merritt in just a few minutes. You just heard he had such high praise for Tony Elliott, Uh, not just respect as a coach for what Tony Elliott has done taking over for Chad Morris uh, and working with Jeff Scott all this time, but how he's handled it as a person. 
And uh, he's got some great pieces to work with next year because Travis Etienne is returning for the Tigers. Of course, T. Higgins is going to the NFL. CBS projects him as a late first round, early second round pick. And then you've got Chase Bryce, who is transferring. And I am absolutely fascinated by what's going to happen with Chase Bryce. Where he'll land, what's the right fit for him, will he make the right decision, and is Chase Bryce capable of doing something like what Jalen Hurts did, which is lose the starting job at Alabama, go to another premier program in Oklahoma, and lead them to a Big 12 championship and into the college football playoff. Chase Bryce is a winner historically. And he has performed well when he has gotten the opportunity in the orange. But who is Chase Price as a leader? What if it were his team? How would things look? We got a glimpse of it against Syracuse a year ago. I am absolutely locked in on what happens with Chase Price, and I will watch him wherever he goes next season. And you just wonder what he thinks of himself and what the college football landscape thinks of him. There's been so much talk about him landing at USF, but what if he went somewhere like Michigan that's set up in terms of recruiting to challenge Ohio State in the Big Ten. Now, Ohio State's a stride ahead. I'm not going to say they're not. And, of course, they've got Justin Fields returning. I'm just saying that's a situation kind of they've taken a transfer quarterback before in Shea Patterson, and it's ready-made for 10 wins. And it sets you up with some big games against your Wisconsin's and Ohio State's to challenge uh, for that Big Ten crown. And if you win the Big Ten, you're all but assured a spot in the college football playoff. Is that Chase Bryce's story? Or is Chase Bryce's story going somewhere that is pass happy? And he's going to put up some some statistics and thinks he has an opportunity to play in the NFL. And he needs to showcase what he can do in a passing offense, a a pass-first offense like Mike Leach in Mississippi State. I'm not suggesting he goes there. I'm just suggesting what if he were to land in that kind of situation? Or is there enough that you can see in the intangibles and the leadership of Chase Bryce if he goes somewhere that is a run-first offense, where the focus is on the run game? But USF seems to be an ideal spot because he knows the offense. He will know what Jeff Scott is trying to accomplish. They'll have the shorthand together. The wide receivers won't be coming to Chase Bryce to talk about what needs to be done, he'll be explaining it to them. He'll know as much as the assistant coaches under Jeff Scott at USF. They've already got a transfer in, however. So it's just fascinating to see where he lands. Um, and this is the new reality in college football. It's a little more like the NFL used to be where, like, for instance, for me, I love Kurt Warner. I watched Kurt Warner play with the St. Louis Rams, win a championship in 99, broke his finger, 
Mike Martz wanted to move on, so I'm, I follow Kurt Warner to the Giants. I couldn't pull for the Giants, but anyway, to the Giants and then to the Cardinals. And I was so happy when Kurt Warner led the Arizona Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Still hard to believe that happened. They almost beat the Steelers in that game. I was a Kurt Warner fan. I'm also a Chase Bryce fan. So I'm going to watch Chase wherever he goes. And I'm absolutely fascinated by the level of program that is attracted to Chase Bryce and what he thinks he wants to accomplish. Where is his head in terms of going somewhere with the right fit for him and what he can get done in a new program? So that's something to watch for. Uh, Also, something to watch for. Clemson tonight against Wake Forest, eight and a half point favorites. I really like Clemson to win this game. Not necessarily to cover the eight and a half, although I will tell you, that when Wake Forest falls, they fall hard. They've been blown out, I believe, in three of their last four losses. And they've been giving up 78 points a game. They've got major injury issues, and they don't have anybody to match up with Amir Sims. You can just put that on a loop. Most teams don't have anyone to match up with Amir Sims. But I think it's going to really be glaring the weakness that Wake Forest has against Sims tonight. And I also think Clemson's going to employ that full court press. That's something to look for. Wake turns it over better than 15 times a game. Let's finish up with Will Merritt here, uh, former All-ACC lineman, as he talks about Jeff Scott moving on to South Florida and what the Bulls are getting. And you Clemson fans, are you Jeff Scott fans? Are you South Florida Bulls fans now? Almost like You know, when Clemson's blowing out Boston College, when they're putting it on an FCS school, will you make an appointment viewing to see what's happening with Jeff Scott in South Florida, especially if Chase Bryce goes there? We'll talk about what Clemson is losing and what South Florida is gaining in Jeff Scott and Brad Scott, who coached Will Merritt on the offensive line in his time there as a player. Yeah, they'll miss him. But, I mean, <laughs> they'll miss Isaiah Simmons, too. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll, they'll miss Isaiah. And, um, I mean, he, 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 he might be one of the best athletes since Brian Dawkins come through Clemson. I, I mean, I, w- I would venture to say that. I think he's Brian Dawkins-esque. I mean, I think that he has a chance to be that good in the NFL. Um, Jeff Scott, I, I mean, what do you want me to say about one of my great friends? I mean, he is just, he's just, he's the best. I mean, Jeff is just unbelievable. He's got a, just a brilliant football mind and his dad is just, he's one of a kind. I mean, he, he'll go down as one of my favorite coaches I've ever played for in my entire life. I loved every single minute that I spent with Brad Scott. Um, and will it work for Jeff Scott at USF? Was that the, was the, the timing right? Was the job right? Everything was right. Everything was right for him to take that job because he knows that whole state. He knows everything about that state. He knows the high school coaches, his dad knows the high school coaches. 
I mean, he grew up there. I mean, it's just, it's a perfect setting for him. And he's, I'm, I'm just going to forecast it. He's going to do great there. He's going to win a bunch of football games. And he's going to be very, very successful. And um, I love Jeff Scott, man. I love him so much. And he is just a, a you know, he, he's just a, he, he, he's the type of guy that you want to have lunch with. You know, I mean, there, there are certain people that you want to have lunch with and don't want to have lunch with. Jeff is the guy that you want to have lunch with every day because you're going to learn something new. And Brad Scott is a cut above that. He's just, he's just, he's the best. And even when he was my O-line coach, he was, um, there, there, there's a, there's a thing about people that like degrade you and, and try to try to put you down. And then there's a, there's a, there's a teacher aspect of it, of coaching. And coach Scott, he, he, he teetered on that line. He, he always coached you, but he always taught you. And when you get taught, you're better the next day, not just harped on. And, um, Brad Scott's he he's he's unbelievable and Jeff's gonna be unbelievable and I'm sure you know Jeff's gonna take his dad with him and uh, but they're I mean South Florida has no idea they're they're getting great people.